Welcome back to the Exchange for Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm your host, James Black, and this week I'm pleased to welcome back Neil Seaman, a Canadian educator, internet entrepreneur, mental health advocate, and author. In fact, he's just authored a new book called Accelerated Minds that dives into the brain science of why entrepreneurs do what they do and take the risks that they take. And on this episode, we really get into the role of dopamine and how it dictates entrepreneurial behavior. Hint, it may be everything. And we also talk about what unhealthy and healthy entrepreneurial behavior looks like. And we also address, you know, how does society have a role in supporting entrepreneurship and specifically the ways that we can help entrepreneurial mental health. It's a fascinating conversation and uh, a juxtaposition amongst many of the other conversations we have with entrepreneurs. You start to understand the science and frankly, the compulsion that leads many of these entrepreneurs to do what they do when really it's it's coming from them. It's not coming from anywhere else. It's coming from them and their desire for a certain thing that uh, we'll talk about more on this show. So without further ado, my conversation with Neil Seaman here on the Exchange for Entrepreneurs podcast. And today I am thrilled to be rejoined by Neil Seaman. Neil is a uh, Canadian writer, internet entrepreneur, and mental health advocate. And uh, he's also an author. He has a new book coming out called Accelerated Minds, Unlocking the Fascinating, Inspiring, and Often Destructive Impulses that drive the entrepreneurial brain. There's a mouthful. It's produced uh, or published by Sutherland House. Neil, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff today. But uh, just first, how are you doing? And uh, how are you feeling after writing a book? Because I know they're not easy things to do. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, James. Hey, I'm feeling great. Um, writing a book is, as my publisher, Ken, uh, likes to say, is it's a journey, right? So you kind of start off thinking about one thing, and then you really pare it down into the crucible of what you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as the book title um, clearly exemplifies, there's a lot that you do want to say. And so today we're going to encapsulate this discussion around um, entrepreneurship and mental health. Those would be sort of the key points of discussion today. Often our listeners, whether they're watching on LinkedIn or YouTube, I, I usually think it's either an investor or someone running a company. So um, you're the perfect guy to talk to. We've also worked with each other yourself as a uh, public company CEO, and I'll maybe ask you to reflect on that experience at one point. But um, let's all start off with some very basic table setters. So your definition of entrepreneurship, I think it's important that before we talk about the book and anything in it, um, we need to first discuss your definition of entrepreneurship because it might not line up with what common uh, vernacular, what common um, definitions of entrepreneurship are. So give us uh, first an insight as to what you think that word really means. Yeah. Th thanks, James. So an entrepreneur, entrepreneur for me is someone who's trying to you know solve old problems, sometimes new problems with new solutions. But more important and more differentiating than that, it, it's someone who's uh, trying to build something of lasting value uh, for your community, your loved ones, and ultimately, potentially for the world. Right. And community, I actually was thinking about that word. Um, community could be your neighborhood, it could be locally, or it could be online. It could be something more macro, it could be something more virtual. Um, do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And increasingly so, right? So, yeah. and we see this in the data, right? I mean, the 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 number of uh, jobs and, and organizations started by entrepreneurs are spiking across North America, across the world. And it's in large part, thanks to those small enterprises. Right. So an entrepreneur isn't just a guy in a, a hooded sweatshirt in Silicon Valley, cranking out code, trying to build the next uh, piece of software to solve, you know, some problem. It's, it's, it's any of us really. And um, now, 
entrepreneurs are driven by something very particular. And so uh, for the second part of this conversation to support your definition of entrepreneurship, and we're going to go with this is uh, dopamine. Dopamine is, um, is a receptor. Now I'm going to let you do more of the description of this, but dopamine is basically what drives a lot of our decisions as entrepreneurs and our motivations. And um, can you again, just describe what dopamine is and, and what you describe as it being your family business growing up? I, I believe even I heard you say somewhere, it was one of the first words you ever learned. So why is dopamine important to you and uh, who you are and what we do and, and what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I grew up with my parents, scientists talking about dopamine as I was a young child. Um, you know, briefly, dopamine is a naturally occurring chemical. It's also a neurotransmitter and a receptor, right? So it that yeah. means it receives the the dopamine, the chemical. So my dad had discovered the way these early antipsychotic medications in the 50s and 60s when he was at Rockefeller um, were blocking um, or, or receive, being received at the dopamine receptor site. And that led to all sorts of amazing discoveries for um, mental health drugs. Um, for dopamine in particular, um, everyone's affected by it. It's, it's the chemical of risk and reward, often called the risk and reward center in the brain. Um, but for entrepreneurs, those people who are trying to build something of social, you know, last, lasting value, um, they tend, again, along a spectrum to react uh, differently to the highs and lows of dopamine release. Right. And what is that reaction? Why is it different from, uh, you know, people who aren't so entrepreneurially inclined? Yeah, I mean, it, the reason being is that entrepreneurialism is often um, like an addiction. So um, <laughs> you're often you're often trying to chase that very early high that you had when you first started talking to your friends and family about a new initiative, for profit, nonprofit that you wanted to build. That's sort of the ultimate high, right? You love that. That's your rock. That's your mission. That's the problem you're trying to solve. And then you get really excitable and, um, and that's the top, right? And then, um, like a lot of folks say, you know, you get those high highs and low lows on any given day as you go further along your entrepreneurial mission, building a team around you, reaching different milestones that you want to reach. But during that period, um, no matter how you define success, um, that dopamine uh, release is going to wax and wane, and you've got to learn how to manage it as an entrepreneur. And it's really hard. So, and I'm going to jump ahead to a question we had prepped, but, um, the destructive impulse. I was thinking about the destructive impulse of this dopamine rush that people are trying to get. And I think about people like Elon Musk, who I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, are, are they going making bigger and bigger swings and more severe uh, decisions based on the fact they're trying to create that for themselves, like buying something like Twitter? Um, there's sort of a game to it for him that, that can't be achieved through any other means in his current companies. Do you see this in the media, perhaps that we've kind of, uh, encouraged this kind of destructive behavior that, that is being driven by this impulse? So, I mean, one thing the media really are increasingly getting right. And I'm talking about the financial media today is I think there's a growing appreciation that the future of prosperity in Canada, North America, across the world really depends on entrepreneurship right? And, and small and medium-sized businesses. And that's in the data. And I think we're starting to talk about that. I think what the media often get wrong is, um, is well, I mean, there's an omission, right? There, there's the fact that they're not talking about um, this 
as you say, this kind of gaming impulse that affects a lot of folks, um, just like gambling, uh, it can be a really uh, very severe dopamine rush. That gaming impulse um, can have these destructive impulses, right? Where you reach beyond your grasp, you reach beyond your grasp too quickly. Um, and then you just, you know, run fast, move fast and break things, right? And so uh, that's the danger that we're at, um, especially if we um, promote uh, what's often called short-termism. Ter- uh, Right. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of good examples of entrepreneurs out there, but obviously some bad ones or, or because you did something great as an entrepreneur in one instance, doesn't mean you're going to have a success again, or even apply the same behavior because you might've learned some bad habits or become overconfident or whatever. But um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating place to, to, to think about how this impacts uh, everyone. And so I was thinking about an article that you wrote recently in the Toronto Star, it was called Hidden Burnout, uh, the Work-Life Balance Struggles of Entrepreneurs. And uh, it's available online. I'll put a link down below. But, um, you know, my my reading of this was that we've sort of glorified entrepreneurship and all these things about, you know, seven-day work weeks and, and you know, misaligned, um, you know, the term entrepreneurship with success uh, as far as wealth uh, financially. Like a lot of these people, they're out there working really hard. They may lose everything still um, in their pursuit of this goal. And um, so what I'm, I'm wondering is uh, just reflecting on an article, you know, what do we have to do to help the mental health of these entrepreneurs who are on this roller coaster? Because as you said, the data bears out that these are incredibly important people to the economy, but what can we do collectively to help support them mentally? Because to me, I, for a lot of these uh, folks, it just seems like it's a, <laughs> it's a very risky mental exercise of going through amongst other things. Yeah, thanks, James. I mean, we, we need to embrace risk and I don't want to change that. And entrepreneurs always have, always will work really hard seven days a week. That's that's not going to yeah. change. That's the entrepreneurial impulse as it as it can and should be. Um, I think the um, what we need to change are some pretty really low hanging fruit, right? So okay. um, at sort of an ecosystem level, I think we need to change the pre-entrepreneurial messaging Right. And, and really emphasize that entrepreneurship is inherently about failure. Right. It's inherently economically irrational. Uh, most entrepreneurs would have an easier uh, and wealthier economic um, climb if they you know, stick to a traditional uh, career path. Um, so we, we need to message it properly and say, hey, you're young, take a risk. That's great. But understand understand the consequences. Second, we need to talk about it um, both at a social level, which I'm starting to do. And that's a big part of the reason for this book. And we need to talk about it at a company level internally with the board, with investors. I mean, really, in terms of due diligence, when you invest in a company, mm-hmm. the most important thing that you're investing in, especially in the early stages, is the mental health stability um, and on ingenuity of that entrepreneur. How do we, you know, how do, how do we as investors keep that in check? And I think there are potentially some things we can do at the board governance level um, around that, um, you know, because if you're if you're not talking to your board, um, which you often have a disincentive to do about your mental health frailties, then you're um, you're you know there there's that disconnect. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because um, you know I obviously work for a company, and we have a board, and I don't think I've seen that yet on the checklist. But um, I also I also tend to agree with you, like entrepreneurs have this they can't not work, but at the same time, we're learning more and more about the value of rest and the value of taking mental breaks. And, uh, yeah, I just wonder how much, um, we need to teach ourselves, uh, as entrepreneurs to take those breaks, even if they're not part of our nature. 
Um, and if in your research or what you've seen in other studies, how important rest is and, and whether we need to almost like mandate it or just find a way to really encourage it. Cause I, I have a hard time taking vacations myself, but, um, do you, do you see anything in your research or anything that you've observed where, uh, mandating or at least really encouraging rest for entrepreneurs is, is going to help them long-term or do you just let them go? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of letting them go with an important caveat. Okay, so um, <laughs> what what the research bears out, it's it's not about taking these extended holidays, taking a month for your birthday, okay. a mandatory vacation. But what it is about, and this comes from the research of, of people like Viktor Frankel, um, Holocaust survivor, psychiatrist, and inventor yep. of logotherapy, it's about deliberate daily philosophic contemplation about what the purpose was of you building what you're building, because that really is your rock, right? So you have to work that into your daily schedule, I think. So that mental, philosophic, stoic contemplation is is really important. Um, and then beyond that, you're often generally <laughs> lonely as an entrepreneur, right? So yeah. really talking to people, getting an ecosystem of fellow travelers um, in whom you can in, invest um, some some trust and, and talking about this uh, because it, it's really tough to 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 drive and and, uh, and sacrifice and often have your colleagues, your employees, um, others in your community not really understand you. Um, and entrepreneurs are at risk, right? I mean, we have much higher rates of suicide, suicidal feeling, ADHD. Um, severe depression, severe anxiety, um, and and risk of, of addiction um, to to substances, and so all of these things are reasons why we need we need support. Yeah, no, absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, now, I was thinking about your definition again of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs, um, and something kind of occurred to me is you know it's that it's that are they is it is this a nature or a nurture thing too because I wonder how much of us just come out of the womb <laughs> ready to build the next company or, or do sure. something, or this is something that, as you said, community and, and being exposed to it, like you were at a, a very young age is what contributes to your entrepreneurial instincts. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious if you have any sense of how much of this is, is learned behavior and how much of this is just inherent and maybe a little harder to put our fingers on as to where it comes from. Yeah, thanks, James. I mean, I'm in the 70-30 camp, uh, as with my, <laughs> my dad, who was a dopamine scientist, dopamine entrepreneur, um, scientific entrepreneur. I gathered all his his early research findings because people laughed at him for 15 years until he established his thesis, which is why they accepted um, it from the private sector. So 70-30. So 70 inherited, 30% um, environmental. But that 30% can be, you know, any anyone can fall into that 30%. At 30%, right? So, um, but what I would say is that if you're in the set, if, if, if you're, if you're, if you're that individual who say comes from an entrepreneurial family has that intense desire to what, you know, Steve Jobs says, dent the universe, um, you gotta, you gotta do that, right? You gotta do that at some point in your life. Um, mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you're always holding on on to it. You're you're regretting not having taken that chance. So that's where the pre entrepreneurial messaging comes in, right? It's kind of like, okay, this is going to be a risk, financial risk, and 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 potentially a mental health risk. But at the same time, if you've got that itch, you know, go for it. And here's why. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Now, dopamine is not just something that entrepreneurs are trading amongst each other or themselves. It's something an investor would have as well. <laughs> it's all in all of us. Um, and I, I, I thinking about your experience as a public company CEO and just in other realms of your life, um, you've had to deal with investors and, and their rush for dopamine. And um, I wonder if you just have any kind of observations about how that's impacted you as a company operator and how you've been trying to rationalize how investors work, knowing everything that you know about dopamine. Yeah, I I find investors fascinating. And <laughs> what I learned a, a, is that um, it's kind of, it's an ecosystem. They call it an investor ecosystem. And it's a great word, right? Because yeah. there's so many different types of investors, right? There's your patient capital, long-term value oriented investors. There's your, your short-term investors, retail, institutional, whole range with different business models, venture capital, private equity. And what I, I actually really enjoy is understanding the psychology of, of different investors and respecting their investment model. I, I mean, one of the things I love learning uh, as a CEO, public company CEO, was just what motivates those different types of investors. And I should say, I also you know started a nonprofit as well prior to having started a for-profit company. And um, it's kind of the same thing, actually, yeah. right? Like we had government um investment we had private sector investment at the university um and, and again all those you know different types of, of 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 incentives so i think we when we think about investors i think we need to think about them expansively and all of them are individuals so i i actually really enjoyed that getting to know investors what what makes you tick um it started actually giving me a, a wonderful appreciation for inspirational investors like Warren Buffett. I, I actually didn't really understand Warren Buffett's model at all until I, I learned about it. And I, you know, Hey, yeah. um, that, that's just, you know, fascinating because I think part of what makes Warren Buffett so special is that he also wanted to get inside the mind of the entrepreneurs, right. And get to know them. And there's that beautiful mind meld. And I think when you have that, that's when both of you can make money. Yeah, no, and he he is an entrepreneur. I mean, people would say, oh, I stodgy investor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, hundred. <laughs> yeah. But he made sort of you know these value investing decisions, but also you know applied contrarian thinking, and also you know when you buy Coca Cola, it's not like it seems risky at the time. It's it's not, but it, you know he saw the vision of where the company could go uh, back when he bought his position in it. And there's lots of other great examples of that. But yeah. Um, so again, the book, it's called Accelerated Minds, Unlocking the Fascinating, Inspiring, and Often Destructive Impulses that Drive the Entrepreneurial Brain, uh, which we've learned that we all have entrepreneurial brains. We're all, um, you know, <laughs> seeking out dopamine. And you, you say it can be destructive, but I want you to reflect on the positive impulses of the entrepreneurial mind. Like, what are some of the things that we can all tap into that when I think about my conversation I had last week on the show and, um, gentleman Quante Adams, who is in solitary confinement. He was in prison and, um, you know, he broke out, he learned to represent himself in court. Um, and he went through all this, he went through the entrepreneurial journey himself, but he tapped into some positive impulses. I think he was a great example of that. And I just want you to maybe to, to share, reflect on maybe where you've had some positive impulses or things where you go like, yes, this is the power of my brain at work and something that I let it do for me because it's wired for good. Maybe uh, maybe a few examples there, Neil, if you got them. 
Yeah. I mean, look, that's a great example you gave of that gentleman. I mean, the statistical odds of escaping and, and then just moving up and, and representing himself. And I mean, that is really tough. Right. And so that's a good example because it's hope. It's hope, right? So dopamine gives you hope and the ability to latch on to that dopamine as an entrepreneur and be driven by it. Um, so inspiration, hope. It also gives you the exuberance to motivate others, right? Because at the end of the day, you're not, you know, you need a team around you and people who believe in you. So insp inspiring others and aligning them to the vision, mission, and values that you have, that's what dopamine can give you um, if you receive it, manage it, understand it better. Awesome. I'm all for it. Um, Neil, this book, when it comes out, what kind of conversation do you want it to start? So we're having that conversation already, which is really exciting. <laughs> James, you, you and I want, hey, I, I want us to talk about all of us um, being at risk of, of, of just too intense dopamine um, sort of, you know, um, it, it sort of flux and we need to manage that. Yeah. Um, most importantly, though, I want, us, I want us to talk about how the future of our prosperity is dependent on the mental health of entrepreneurs and all of those who love them, including their investors, um, their community, their colleagues. And so as we appreciate that, right, as we focus the media on on them and the diversity of those entrepreneurs, as you said, like a very tiny minority are these tech wonderkins doing code in Silicon Valley. As we appreciate the diversity of those, especially the quiet entrepreneurs who are driving quietly to drive out these fascinating new solutions to old problems, I think we can appreciate, we can engage them, and we can run an exciting course to um, innovation and prosperity for all. Wonderful. That's a worthwhile conversation. And uh, I think uh, I can't wait to read the book. I think it's gonna be full of great insights. Uh, if, if today was just a sample of that, Neil, thanks for joining us on the show exchange for entrepreneurs. I am your host, James Black. Neil, we'll see you very soon. You bet. Thanks, James. Thank you Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Thank you again for listening to the exchange for entrepreneurs podcast, a proud presentation from CNSX markets, Inc. Operator of the Canadian securities exchange. As a reminder, the viewpoints on this show do not reflect those of the exchange and are solely those of the guests and do not constitute investment advice. For more information about the exchange, its services, and listed companies, please visit www.thecsc.com. Until the next show, thank you for listening, and don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button on your favorite listening platform. Thank you so much.